from the Cyber Hub Bunker and Studio. You're tuning in to the Cyber Hub Podcast. And now for your host and CISO, James Azar. Good morning, security gang. Welcome to another episode of the Cyber Hub Podcast. It's Wednesday, May 24th, 2023. What an exciting show we have for all of y'all today. Some updates on some data breaches we've been covering for the last month. Uh, details are coming up. Iran, North Korea on the move. Also, a bunch of stuff going on from the ransomware and malware side as well. Some federal government cloud uh, uh, posture issues we've got to be talking about on this morning's show. So it's a packed show. It's a lovely hump day. I hope everyone's having a magnificent, great, productive week. And in security, you're constantly learning. So I hope every day gives you more and more uh, knowledge in our industry, in our trade craft. And I will give you some knowledge about an espresso. I enjoy drinking. This is my double espresso this morning. I, I, so, so here's the thing about double espressos, right? And, and I got to be very clear about it. One, we're live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Two, you should subscribe. Three, double espressos in this kind of format when they're super hot are excellent, especially if you're using good coffee, especially if you're using good coffee, like Illy or Lavazza. Oh, great, great coffee. This is my Lavazza coffee cup. Cheers, y'all. Tell me what you're drinking in the comments, y'all. Love to see that. All right, let's kick off with Cuba ransomware claiming to be behind the cyber attack on the Philadelphia Inquirer that really put the paper back in almost a pre-technological time. So the uh, on May 14th, the Inquirer disclosed that it had suffered a cyber attack that forced its IT team uh, to take computer systems offline to prevent the spread of the attack. Um, the newspaper contracted forensic experts to investigate the anomalous activity. The attack disrupted the publication of the Sunday print newspaper. So home delivery subscriber received an early edition composed on Friday and were invited to catch up on the latest news on the newspaper's website, which was unaffected. The Inquirer publication disruption is the most significant the company has faced since the blizzard of January 7th and 8th in 1996 and comes just days from the primary for the 100th mayoral election in Philadelphia. The time a spokesperson, a spokesperson for the newspaper did not clarify if the attack was ransomware and requested patience. However, today the attack was claimed by the Cuba ransomware gang in a post in their extortion site declaring they stole files from the newspaper's computer. The stolen data now publicly released includes financial documents, correspondence with bank employees, account movement, balance sheets, tax document compensation, and as well as source code. All of that dropped here. And unlike Dish Network that apparently made sure all the data was deleted uh, from the threat actors um, here, they're not saying that. So there's that as well. We also talked about the Cisco data breach uh, last month. Well, now the company is informing 126,000 individuals that their personal information was compromised in the attack. The company initially disclosed the incident in early May in a 10Q form filing with the SEC. It revealed the data breach was identified on March 5th, said the attackers likely had unauthorized access to the system starting January 14th. During the time frame, the company said attackers stole data related to operation of business, customers, employees, and personal data. The food distributor is now informing current and foreign employees that their PII, such as names, social security numbers, account numbers, and other information provided for payroll pur purposes might have been compromised in the data. In the breach, sorry. Uh, the letter to impacted employee says the uh, actors gained access to our systems without authorization, claiming to have acquired certain data. Um, um, this does kind of show that it was a ransomware attack. The main attorney general said that more than 126,000 individuals were impacted. 
there is a uh, potential class action lawsuit coming against them. Um, and by the way, do the same against Dish because we definitely want to see how in the world they made sure that that data was deleted um, or erased. I do. I'm still on it. I'm not over it. I don't think I will be until I see a deposition. I won't be. A malicious window kernel driver is being used in the Black Cat ransomware attacks. The Alpha 5 ransomware group, aka Black Cat, was observed employing signed malicious Windows kernel drivers to evade detection by security software during attacks. The driver seen by Trend Micro is an improved version of the malware known as Portry that Microsoft Mania, Surface, and Sentinel 1 all spotted in ransomware attacks last year. The Portry malware is a Windows kernel driver signed using stolen keys belonging to legitimate accounts in Microsoft's Windows hardware developer program. The malicious driver was used by UNC 39044 Hacking Group, also known as Octopus or Scattered uh, Spider, to terminate security software running on a Windows device to evade detection. While security software is usually protected from being terminated or tampered with, as Windows kernel drivers run with the highest privilege in the OS, it can be used to terminate almost any process, including your security tools that are there. And that's why you've got to have a layered approach to your security program. You've constantly got to be looking at how do you enhance it. You see this type of attack, so what do you do? You go back to the drawing board. You go, all right, we've got uh, an EDR, MDR, XDR product. We may have an additional AV. What else could we do from this perspective? Could Is there an alert we could set? Is there a script we could write? Are there tools out there that can help us solve this problem? All of those come into play because now all of the companies named above that have seen this if they're smart, they've got their R&D teams really looking into this. And they're looking into this from a, a, a multitude of, of, of perspectives as to how do you deal with this potentially and, and goes kind of to the zero trust conversation. Do you trust everything just because it has a trust certificate or do you question it? Do you make it authenticate itself again? Do you make it uh, uh, prove that it's legitimate? Um, and if something kills a process, how do you track that? Suggestions in the comments are always welcome. Trend Micro observed that following uh, exposed uh, commands can be issued to the driver, like activating, deactivating, killing a user mode process, delete specific file path, copy files, force copy files using a similar mechanism, and so forth. So um, an advanced new type of attack that's going to require us to go to the drawing board. Um, I'll be doing some more research on this. Uh, I've, I've got a multitude of ideas, by the way, as, as, as I read this uh, this morning, and, and, and I think there's some some really, you know, kind of um, some some really good ways to do this, some really bad ways to do this, but nonetheless, there's ways to mitigate it. The uh, Government Accountability Office report shows that the Department of Agriculture, Homeland Security, Labor, and Treasury have all not implemented key uh, six key cloud security practices to their systems. The 60-page report said only one agency fully implemented four practices for most of its systems, while three other agencies fully implemented three practices to their systems. The remaining were either partially implemented or not implemented at all. Cloud security practices that were fully implemented for almost all systems, the GSA, include defining security responsibilities, documenting ICAM policies and procedures, documenting procedures for incident response and recovery. Partially implemented or not implemented uh, cloud security practices include defining security metrics in an SLA, implementing continuous monitoring and addressing FedRAMP requirements. Although the agencies developed a plan for continuous monitoring, they did not always implement their plans. In addition, agency service level agreements did not consistently define performance matrix, including how they would be measured. 
and the enforcement mechanism. According to the report, the federal agencies should fully implement all key cloud security practices to ensure that the confidentiality, integrity, and availability of information contained in their cloud system is not at risk. Now, I'm going to go to this and point out something else. Uh, Chris Ingalls has resigned. There's no cyber czar in the White House. Um, General Nakasone over on the NSA side in Cyber Command is uh, getting ready to retire in, in, in three to four months. There's no, at the moment, there's no declared leader on cybersecurity. And while things can operate, we all know that operating without leadership means operating without decision making. And a lot of this stuff gets set back because these different departments within the, the government are looking for guidance. They're looking for support and they're not always getting it. And so, I mean, the process here is, 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 is mind boggling. The fact that this is also impacting the department of Homeland security, the department of Homeland security, which by the way, oversees CISA, CISA, Jen Easterly reports to the secretary of the department of Homeland security. They haven't fully implemented continuous monitoring for selected platforms as a service, security as a service, and infrastructure as a service system to define performance matrix and SLAs, implement the FedRAMP requirements for those same systems, and require service providers to comply with FedRAMP security authorization requirements. That's DHS, DHS, the Department of Homeland Stupidity or Security, either way you look at it. Seriously. I mean, CISA is part of your department. How is this not? How, how are you not going to CISA and going to Jen and her team and saying, get us up to code and then go work with Treasury and go work with labor and go work with agriculture to get them up? What are they doing? These are simple mechanisms. You've got the tools at your disposal. You've The government has spent a ton of money on cybersecurity. They are constantly up in these budgets. Where's that money going and why isn't this basic stuff done? frustrated by this because every time i read it i see it and i'm just frustrated it frustrates me i'm sorry it frustrates me because our adversaries see the same news i do and go on and and try to target these agencies and then when they're successful we go well we need more money you've got money how much more do you need what do you need to get the job done and 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 let's spend the taxpayer money effectively Iranian threat actors are using a newly identified Windows kernel driver in attacks against Middle East targets. It's dubbed Wintapix. The driver uses the donut of position independent code enables in-memory loading of payloads through shellcode using processes hollowing or threat hijacking. Uh, Wintapix appears to have been active since at least mid-2020, likely developed by an Iranian threat actor and primarily used against attacks in Saudi, but also Jordan, Qatar, and the UAE. According to Fortinet, the driver was likely used in some major campaigns in August and September of last year and in February and March of this year, albeit it remains under the radar to date. Observed samples have have compilation dates of May 2020 and June 2021, but were seen in the wild much, much later. Iranian threat actors are known to have exploit exchange servers to deploy additional malware. It's also possible that this driver has been employed alongside exchange attacks. To that point, the compilation time of the drivers is also aligned with times where Iranian threat actors are exploiting the exchange server vulnerabilities. So Iran going with this one, again, targeting Windows kernel mode functions, um, very similar to what was happening there. The North Koreans are also on the move with the Comiskey hackers striking again with advanced malware. Uh, Comiskey has been observed using a piece of custom malware called Random Query as part of a reconnaissance and information exfil operation. 
Kaminsky has been constantly distributing custom malware as part of the reconnaissance campaign to enable subsequent attack, according to Sentinel-1 researchers. The ongoing targeted campaign per the, uh, per the cybersecurity firm is primarily geared towards information services such as organizations supporting human rights active, activists and North Korean defectors. Kaminsky, since 2012, has a track record of striking organizations and individuals who are of strategic interest to the North Korean regime. The uh, intelligence collection missions have recently involved the use of other another reconnaissance tool called Recon Shark. We talked about that earlier this month as well. The latest activity cluster associated with the group commenced on May 5th of this year and leverages a variant of random query that's specially designed to enumerate files on siphon-sensitive data. Alongside Flower Power and Apple Seed are among the most frequently distributed tool in Comiskey's arsenal, with a former functioning as an information stealer and a conduit for distributing a remote access trojans like 2RAT and XRAT. The attacks begin with phishing emails purportedly to be from the Daily NK, a prominent Saul-based online publications that cover North Korean affairs to entice potential targets into opening a CHM file. It's worth noting at this date, CHM files have also been adopted as a lure by different North Korean nation state actors referred to as uh, Scarcroft. So all of those are there. The malware then proceeds to harvest system metadata, running processes, installed applications, and files from different folders all of which are transmitted back to a C2 server. Um, and so North Korea are on the move. You could block those file types in your email attachments and you'd end the threat there. That's it for our show this morning. We'll be back with a whole lot more and wrap up this week tomorrow, Thursday. Until then, have a great rest of your day. I hope the second half of the week is better than the first if you had a bad one. And if it's as good, I hope the rest of the week is as great as you've had this week. See y'all then. Until then, have a great rest of your day. And most importantly, y'all stay cyber safe. We love feedback, so make sure to connect with us on social media and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform.